It's only entertainment. We're here at day one at MJ BizCon. I'm here with Brooke Butler. She's with Simplify. Brooke, thanks for being with us at the Talking Edge. So happy to be here. Thanks for having me. Tell me a little bit about uh, Simplify and what you do. So we are kind of the good bad guys uh, in the industry. We are trying to help any licensed operator or any company that is trying to service, um, you know, plant-touching businesses. An easy way to understand all of their state regulations um, and give them basically cheat sheets to make sure that, you know, if they do get inspections, they're not going to be sweating bullets. They know they're fine. They get proof to the, uh, you know, their regulators that they are operating in good faith and trying to maintain those standards. And it's really not easy because you won't believe this, but they have regulated cannabis more than plutonium. And so, you know, some states like Colorado or California that we operate in, um, you know, if someone runs through one of our compliance um, self-audit checklists, it, you're looking at, at eight to 900 different regulation questions that you have to be up against. Everything from how your employees wear their badges, where your cameras are pointed, all of that nitty gritty little nuanced, nasty stuff that no one wants to deal with. We try to distill down for them into really easy to understand actionable tasks for them to make sure they're not going to lose their license or get a costly fine. Okay. So do you provide these SOPs or is it one-on-one consultation since every facility is different? What's um, what's the overall concept and implementation of it? Yeah, great question. So um, we currently serve 28 states. Um, and our SOP templates that we provide for operators are specific to the state and their license type in that state. And so um, they are not specific to that company, but we give them a foundation where we've gone through and told them, okay, this is what regulatory steps you would need to take. And then they can layer their special sauce and their proprietary details on top of it, making it a lot easier and a lot more cost efficient than spending, you know, $100,000, $200,000 on SOPs getting built out by a big consulting firm or a law firm and things like that. And so we're always trying to find a way to provide them with good help at reasonable cost. There's a lot of mom and pops out there that are DIY and uh, they don't have the cash flow. Maybe they don't understand compliance. Yep. Uh, and so they don't value what we're talking about. What are some, you know, um, practice doesn't make perfect, failure does. And there's a lot of failure out there from um, just simply not having the right camera equipment to avoiding robberies and, and murders that we've seen up and down the West Coast. What are some of the takeaways and, and best practices that um, you know you can offer people that are on the fence and just don't understand? So, you know, what I always like to tell people is that it is very, very alluring to take the ostrich approach where if you just stick your head in the sand, maybe this will all go away or you know, they're not, enfor- like, a lot of the states aren't enforcing that much, right? So they think they can also just be a little more lax with it. But what we've told people is, if you're not proactive about compliance and you're only reactive, it's too late. And, you know, if you get a fine or you get, you know, kind of on bad graces with your regulator, it's going to make it more difficult for you to get a new license and expand your business. Uh, you know, it's going to be difficult for you to raise money or get a bank account. Like, you, it, it really... You're not running a cannabis business, unfortunately. You're running a compliance business. It's it's a really you know unfortunate thing. That's yeah, it's annoying and everybody has to deal with. But it's the foundation of the way this industry is right now. And there's a lot of turnover from from warehouse employees on the grow, even uh, distributors on the manufacturing, and then retail is just that. It's just retail. It's, uh, there's a lot of. Um, I think misconception from the employee standpoint, 
which creates a lot of turnover and yes. headache. And so trying to keep those uh, those those proper procedures in place and uh, with, with leadership or management changes have coming constantly, can only imagine that it's, it's a massive headache. Um, is there... Uh, um, is there hope that uh, eventually some of that learning will become tribal? I, I don't know if it's there yet. You know, it's it's everybody's. There's a lot of companies, including ours, that are trying to help with that. So one of the modules in Simplify's platform for the operators is a training module for employees. So let's say they hire a new marketing manager that came from Lay's, right, or Food and Bev, and they have no idea that they can't. They have all these weird. You know, restrictions. They can't advertise like they would if they were still with, you know, free delays. And so it, it kind of gives them quizzes and it helps the managers already know if their new employee understands what they can and can't do and then show them in real time what they, you know, should be doing. So it makes it just a lot easier. And then you've got that all documented as well for HR purposes. But there's other companies out there um, that are are coming up and I think you're going to hear more about them in the next kind of 12 to 24 months. They're trying to put together kind of educational platforms for employees that, you know, in the industry. And so like, you know, if you want to get into bud tending, what are some things that you would need to know if you were going to try to get a job in Colorado, right? And because it's different, you know, than in California or Massachusetts. And so I think you're starting to see the industry move more towards that because there is such high turnover. Um, I, this is one of the highest turnover industries I've seen. Um, people to jump from dispensary to grow, to manufacture, back to another dispensary, you know, kind of all the time. Uh, are you seeing a situation where uh, some of these folks kind of feel like they know what to do uh, and yet uh, they're not really in compliance? Because there's a lot of, uh, you know, the ostrich effect or, or ignorance is bliss where they kind of think that they know what they're doing because we've been doing it this way forever. Right. It's always a massive red flag when you walk into any business and like, well, we've been doing this this way forever. And you're like, yeah, but it's wrong. And also the regs changed five times since you opened your business. Right. And so where is the headache now? Is it existing businesses that think they know and they just are completely wrong? Or is it the new folks that are kind of the head in the sand and you're trying to get to them like... You know, it's it's kind of a mixture of both. Um, but again, it goes back to when you're not... When the government puts out 800 pages of regulations and tells you that you have to follow all of these things or you're going to get shut down, and then they don't come by maybe once every three years to check on you, which is what was happening in Colorado, you know, five, ten years ago, there's a lot of incentive to be like, well, I can put this off. Or this is for tomorrow's problem. And then the other weird thing that drives me insane is... Some of the states have made their fine schedule out where it's actually more expensive for you to implement the compliance protocols that they want you to do than it is for you to pay the fine if they come and say, you don't have the right security cameras. So there's a lot of that that's just, you know, still being worked out in our kind of infantile industry. Yeah, my day job is a hedge fund, and, and uh, some people just call that the cost of doing business, right. which is really unfortunate that they're... They're kind of dissuading folks from being in compliance because it's not literally not working. Right. That's crazy. Well, and then you also have, you know, you have, and this is evolving, but you've got, you know, when you have states that are allowing the illicit market to operate, you know, in the light of day next door or down the street from someone that is licensed and has to pay, you know, has to charge consumers taxes and have to pay all these overheads, like, that also disincentivizes people to be to complain because they're like, well, if you're not shutting down this guy that's not even licensed, 
why are you going to nail me on, you know, my cash register not being closed at 8 p.m. on the dot or whatever weird thing it is? Yeah. Um, as a result of, of uh, the complexities, do you think that that's going to lead to quicker consolidation and capitulation in the industry as people are like, this isn't worth it? There, I, I think that the biggest thing I would say about that is what I've seen across the board the last 10 years is that when no matter what company it is, they always underestimate how much capital they are going to need to actually operate their business under all of those requirements. It's it's not like just opening a retail store. When you've got your opening a retail store with 900 things that you've got to implement that are very, very cost intensive. And so, you know, I always, always tell people plan for, you know, you're going to need more money. The regulators are going to take more time than you expect. Like, you've got to have extra cash on hand because it is expensive. Yeah, and, and it's interesting, too, because I don't think a lot of people realize, like, what you're up against. Um, even in terms of uh, just protesters, like in Seattle, uh, I just interviewed a gal who was a manager in Seattle. She's a manager here in Vegas now. And um, the owner is Jewish, and she is literally the only black female manager in all of Seattle. And they had uh, protesters protesting the store, saying that we need more minorities. Like, you picked the wrong store. Yeah, obviously. You know, and so then, then the owner is, is in this situation where he has to kind of defend himself because of, uh, you know, just the wrong focus or right. whatever. Um, so I, I find that when, when people get in, they don't fully understand all of those nuances. There's a grow in South Washington State that put a million dollars in and wasn't able to produce a single brand, and then they just closed. Yep. So you have all of these people that think they could do it without the professionals to kind of help guide them along and give them some pathway to like the least, least path of resistance and, and, and help you because regulations are going to be the biggest hindrance moving forward when you don't know what you're doing. 100%. Well, and the other thing is, is there's a lot of mis, I think, information out there that things are going to get easier once it gets federally legalized. Oh, no. That means you have a million federal agencies that have been dying to get their hands on this industry and regulate it. You're going to deal with FDA. You know, all of these federal agencies. And so if you don't start on solid footing with your state regulations and getting that lined up, you're going to be dead in the water, you know, as this industry moves forward and grows. And, you know, the other thing I always tell people is, yes, it's daunting and overwhelming when you look at those, you know, kind of startup operational costs. But if you don't implement the right things at the beginning, it's going to end up costing you a lot more money down the line or cost you your entire business. Do you have an example of that? Because I think that's kind of an important point to, to end on is the financial impact. It's just not, it's not necessarily the fine because that's a cost of doing business. Right. It's not necessarily um, missed opportunities. Like an opportunity cost is like you don't get a client, but what if you put in a million bucks and you can't grow some of so do you have an example of uh, a scenario where if somebody had utilized uh, you know, the decade of experience that you, you have and that your company brings uh, that could have possibly saved them? Unfortunately, there's a lot of that. And um, again, it, I guess what I would say is it takes a lot longer for that to happen, right? Like, And so... It's frustrating because even when you've seen business plans come in and, and you know and you try to advise them, this is, if you're, let's say, a lot of people were putting, you know, back in the day, $3,000, you know, dollar pounds in their business model. And you're like, they're, 
look at the other states that have already been, you know, up and legalized. Like, I saw seven in Philly. Yeah, like, it's. I mean, the prices do not. It's like yeah. you're you're already dead in the water. And so again, it's like it's frustrating because again, that's been bad advice. People probably, you know gave them that advice and, and all these or things. Or maybe that's what it is in the black market now. They don't realize that right. when it goes regulated that that cuts down like significantly. Well, look at, the, I use Massachusetts as an example of that. I mean, I think the price of flour in Massachusetts has dropped something like 42 or 72. I can't remember the exact number percent this year. Yeah. Because all that supply is, right? Because again, this is not a perfect industry where the supply chain is set up right, especially when states first get legalized. And so sometimes there's, you know, you have a lack of supply, and then great prices are high. Well, once all that cultivation supply starts getting harvested, then that's when you see prices really start to kind of come down as more products come on the market. And so people underestimate that as well. Is there a situation where it's too late? Like, we can't help you. <laughs> um, you know, it's funny. I will tell you this. I've been asked a few times by clients, uh, if we ever got a subpoena, you know, would we have to uh, you know, work with the federal government on that? And I said, well, listen... If, if you if, if we're getting a subpoena, it's already too late. Like we're not going to hurt or harm you at that point or help. Like whatever you've done to get that far, it's it's not so good. But um, I mean, I'll just I go back. I always use this example, but um, you know, like the Sweet Leaf um, dispensary chain in, in Denver and Colorado and what happened with them. But you know, they had it took the city of Denver a year of an undercover investigation um, before they actually went and actionized on them. But it was too late for them because. They had been uh, doing, at that point, what it was called looping, where they would, you know, the rule said you could sell up to one ounce per day per person or per transaction, right? And everyone knew that really that meant one, you know, ounce a day per person, not that you should send them out to the parking lot and then have them come back in and buy another ounce. And, you know, at that point, like once, once you're, once you're done and they've started investigating you and you've got documented records and evidence of that, like, I mean, they spent time in federal prison. And they are no longer allowed to operate a cannabis business ever again. That happened recently in Washington. Uh, a brand new bud tender who said, who told me, because I was like, oh, I'd like to get, you know, a bunch of blunts and then I want flour. And so it was like a couple of ounces. And then the bud tender says to me, well, I'll just ring him up on two transactions. I know what the law is. Right. I wasn't going to tell him that because I don't really care. I'm not the one that's going to get in trouble. So I was like, okay. And so he rings up one, and then he's like, yeah, because it's just not fair that you have to. He's telling me right. like, what the I, law is fair well, and fair. And honestly, that's part of why compliance in, in this regulation is so tricky or hard to get people to, to get on like on board with is because a lot of it makes no sense mm-hmm. or just isn't exactly the most logical approach to how to do that. But if you think about it, you have people that do not understand drug policy trying to write drug drug and, and cannabis mar- marijuana you know regulations. There's going to be some hiccups, and it's going to be a learning curve. Yeah. Well, if people do want to find out more, get educated, stay out of uh, the regulatory compliance uh, microscope, uh, how can they get a hold of you? Where you're, where are you at online or whatever? Yeah, so we are um, www.simplifya.com. So it's simplify, add an A, dot com. Um, and then we're on Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, um, kind of all over the internet and our handles are always simplifying. Okay. Well, I think with that we're going to have to rule this one up. The one day my guest Brooke Butler she is with Simplify I'm Josh McKay. This is The Talking Hedge. Don't forget to like, share, and subscribe or don't. And I'm out. Don't forget to smash that like button on your way out and check out these other videos that we've got. Thanks for listening to today's show. 
To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. Hi, my name's Kate, and I'm your host of the Pop Moms Podcast. I started the Pop Moms Podcast, well, because I wanted to end the stigma against using cannabis, specifically with moms, but also anyone who chooses to consume. I strive for a balance of humor and education, along with some pretty rad guests, to help combat social biases that come with consuming cannabis. Kids are hard. Join me for regular podcast episodes packed with parenting hacks, real-life stories, and of course, my favorite cannabis products. The days are long, but the years are short. So roll another J and take a deep breath. Keep blazing and stay amazing.